More preseason action on Monday night. Lonzo Ball and Chris Ass Porzingis suffer unfortunate injuries. We've got some trade talks between the Hawks and the Suns. And the big question, are you buying or selling Jalen Green? All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us. Make it as your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can join a live version of the show and see as I try and struggle through an entire show with my voice about, mm, oh, I don't know, like 60%, solid 60% as I try and get through this. But to help me out is my co-host, David Ramil of Locked On Heat. I'm Matt Moore. You can find him on Twitter at DRamil13. David, you spent the night watching a fantastic ball game between the Miami Heat's sort of respective G League team and the Charlotte Hornets, who do not look good still. Um, I'm sorry, and the Houston Rockets, rather. Uh, they yeah. look a little bit better. Uh, how was your evening watching preseason basketball? Uh, it was great. Uh, it's so hard to take anything out of this like these guys are all competing they all want to fight for minutes their 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 contracts are up in the air right now you're trying to make a stand and and, and do something positive and and sometimes you have a really positive night and then sometimes you wind up pushing it too much and and you know wind up probably hurting your chances more than anything else so it's always uh it's always difficult we were talking before about how so many players seem to be sitting out the preseason Maybe more so than usual, at least for Miami. They had their whole starting lineup out, key players off the bench. It was the uh, the preseason debut of Victor Oladipo, who looked pretty sharp uh, handling the ball and ostensibly playing the point guard there. But uh, I think the big story is Jalen Green. Uh, he looked phenomenal for the Houston Rockets. Okay, we're going to come back to Jamal Kane because I'm very excited <laughs> about Jamal Kane. But once again, had himself a good night. We're going to come back. To, do not think we're getting out of this podcast without talking to Jamal Kane, just because you may have talked about it locked on heat. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Jalen Green, because that's what we, we kind of decided to talk about tonight. So Jalen Jalen has himself a night. Uh, Jalen goes 25 points, uh, 7 of 18 shooting. He makes he has five assists to three turnovers. Not, not bad. Uh, one steal. Pretty good. Got the ball stolen twice. Uh, four boards. Hit a lot of threes, including one particularly like highlight reel three pointer, just like a drops, quote unquote, drops the opponent defending him, um, kind of a jumbled possession, steps back and hits a deep three, which in my evaluation of Jalen Green comprises about like, I don't know, 60% of all of his possessions is basically like, let's dribble around a lot and, and throw up a three and it goes in because he's a really good shooter. A lot of expectations on, on Green. And as the season wore on last year, he came out of a real big slump to start the season and actually started to look really good and impactful. And the Rockets are definitely counting on him in big ways this season. I'm seeing a little bit more structure from the from the Rockets' offense. Not a lot. It's not like they're not precise like the Warriors or the Heat or any of these other teams. But there's a little bit more structure there. Uh, you saw Jalen Green coming off with some screens tonight for these kind of looks. Uh he still is to me very much a pure scorer in the sense that mm-hmm. I I think he can create a little bit for other people. But I very rarely do I see him manipulating the defenses to take advantage of them. It doesn't feel like he ever leverages the defense. 
that's not necessarily a criticism at his age, but there's going to be a crossroad at some point where he'll either become a player that does those things or he becomes a player that doesn't. And then he's just basically a shooter and scorer. And that's fine. You can have a long career doing that. My question for you is based off of the hype for Jalen Green, former number two pick, off of a pretty good night in preseason, are you buying or selling Jalen Green? I mean, you have no choice but to buy, right? Um, the expectations are high, but he's going to get those opportunities because I don't think Houston has a choice. Like, who are they going to go to as their – I don't. I can't say a savior because they're not really playing for anything. So you want to you want to force the issue at this point. You want to see who you have in Jalen moving forward. And so you're going to put him out there to succeed or fail or to burn himself, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not it looks like a, a success or failure in the long run because you have to be able to test him early on to see if he's the kind of player that you can continue to develop and that he's going to show progress, he's going to show growth, show maturity, uh, show the ability to play within that kind of structure that you mentioned before or whether or not he's just going to be a scorer. Uh, you know, that's, that's, again, as you said, not it's not a bad thing to be in the NBA, but you've got a limited role, right? And and they don't they don't see him as that. They see him as more than just a score. They see him as being that prototypical player that can carry your offense. And he, he certainly looked good today, but then you also have to take into consideration no Kyle Lowry to guard him, no Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo. Uh, I don't know that he would have had the same clean open looks had they been out on the floor. So uh, you have to take everything in preseason with a grain of salt. But yes, I am I guess buying, but. Uh, cautiously so, and, and perhaps a little bit disgruntled that I have to be buying anything regarding the Houston Rockets. <laughs> See, you're more just like you don't want to sell. Like you're just like I'm fine with the stock I currently hold on Jalen Green. Like I, I have an appropriate amount of 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 buy point on on Jalen. Begrudgingly, yes. Begrudgingly, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's one of the things that's interesting is his position with that draft class last year, right? Because both Cade. And Evan Mobley are considered to be guys that may not contribute in the box score as much, though they're both right. you know going to put up pretty good numbers. Put up pretty good numbers last year after Cade figured out how to aim at the rim because that was a problem for him for the first two months of the season. Um, those guys are considered to be more impact guys, right? Like Cade Cunningham's right. like a top flight defender, uh, able to rebound, run point guard, point forward, control the offense. Evan Mobley's like versatile switch all can play all sorts of like huge defensive impact. Isn't just a shot blocker has a little bit of, of, of a jump shot needs to get a little bit more of one and score a little bit more this season. And then there's Jalen, right. Who is like, he's a bucket that that was the entire bill on him coming out of the prospect, you know, case <clears throat> was that Jalen green is a bucket. He is going to score for you. And that's what he's continued to show. And honestly, I think his passing was impressive last season. I, I'm still trying to figure out how much of what looks like things that don't make sense with when you watch Houston is mm. about Jalen's instincts and how much of it is about the lack of structure. It could be both, right? Like more reps, Jalen learns more. He figures out how to run an offense, figures out how to leverage those type of plays. They install more stuff. It gets more structured. But like these are my kind of concerns that so much of Houston still at times feels um, so very loose. wild west, yeah, very very improvised. And look, most of the NBA is reads, but they have very few mechanisms that I kind of trust offensively. And that's gonna like their offense has to be what takes them this season. Because even though I'm a little higher on their defense, I think most are because of some like real deep dive niche stuff that I, I dug into. It's still a really low bar. 
Like, I'm talking about, like, yeah, the Rockets might end up not 25th or worse. That's, like, an improvement, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so trying to figure out, like, if Jalen – I guess my, my big question for you, David, here is, like, do you think that Jalen Green can evolve to be an impactful winning-type player? I, mean, I personally don't. I personally don't. I, I just – I don't – I don't think you see it very often. He, he just seems like he's trending, and, and you hate to say it because he's young, because there's potential there. But you know, he, he's trending more towards just that kind of explosive shooter that winds up maybe coming off the bench or something along those lines. And that's not bad. I mean, he could still, like you said, have a long career, productive, and, and maybe the, some of those points feel empty. But at least you need somebody to get the bucket for you. He needs to evolve more as a playmaker, I think, obviously, so that he can balance that out to some degree. But And this is also the danger of having a team that's just clearly uh, rebuilding, tanking, whatever you want to call it, and, and just lacks that kind of structure with a, with a young coach and uh, you know just so much youth on that roster. You're not sure what you're getting here. Where You can just allow him to continue going in that same trajectory, and that's not necessarily a good thing because if he was playing with – veterans that were looking to win and win now and have an impact and he'd forced he'd be forced to try and understand how to adapt so that he could be more impactful or be a better overall fit and player and things of that sort rather than just being well look at me i can get 40 50 whenever i want to that doesn't necessarily lead to winning and so you wonder whether or not he's just going to continue trending that way and that's just how i see it i, I mean i i don't know I, I mean i might be wrong but right now that's just it's just kind of the way it feels uh, because there are so many questions about Houston. They don't have any clarity. They don't have any structure right now. And it doesn't seem like they're going to get any anytime soon either. Am I too harsh on the Jalen Green and the Houston Rockets rebuild? No, I think it's great, actually, because like Heat fans already have a feud with Spurs fans over the finals and Mavericks <laughs> fans over the finals. So we'll just go ahead and we'll just rope. I'll just make sure Rockets fans get this. And then you can be the bad guy for them instead of me for once. That's and right. That's right. I, oh. I think Jalen Green's going to be a consummate winner. No, look, I don't know. I, I still, I, I do keep going back to, I don't know how to judge him right? because of where the offense is. And that's a coaching question. And if they come out this season and they are a lot sharper and look like it's preseason. So everybody's going to look a little clumsy and they look better than they did last year. Like I saw more stuff tonight and in the last couple of preseason games I've seen, than I have. Like, there's more structure there. It's not a, you're, it's not going to be a highly structured team with this many young guys. Right. Um, a couple other notes on that game. Tari Eason continues to be a beast. Tari yep. Eason is a monster, just putting up numbers, getting boards, uh, pure beast. Um, tell me about Jamal Kane. How good was he? He was good, right? He was good. Jamal <laughs> Kane was good, right? Because I'm, I'm in on this kid. Are you in on the Kane train? Like, look, they just uh, gave him the two way contract. Uh, there's already some discussion about whether or not. Uh, they should cut somebody else on their roster and, and extend him to a, a three-year deal so that they can keep him up on the roster because he's just shown that much promise. He he just finds a way to impact players. Like, this is the exact opposite. Like, yes, he's putting up points, and that's all fine and good, but defensively he's there. Rebounding is there. Uh, he just seems to have a knack for making the smart right play at a point in time. And it, I don't think it's any surprise that Miami, again, preseason, take everything with a grain of salt, but against the Memphis Grizzlies, they were 20 against the Rockets they were down big he comes into the game alongside Nikola Jovic their other rookie and he just winds up they wind up shining and, and just carrying the team and, and just propelling them to a, a victory in both cases so uh I think there's a lot of positives there 
and you hope that he's able to just continue to tie that athleticism because there's plenty of that alongside continued growth and development and and this is the right team this is this is the flip side of the what i was the point i was trying to make about the houston rockets is that there's a complete lack of structure there at least from my perspective is miami you've got jimmy butler you've got kyle Lowry, you've got batman body you've got all stars there competing to win for title contention whatever and then somebody goes in there and say, okay, I can fill this role. I understand what you're asking me to do. And it's, you're not asking me to do too much, but to excel in whatever role I have versus just kind of rolling the ball out there and seeing who can score as many points as possible. So I think Kane's going to continue to grow and develop. And he, he seems like a nice fit. If you're listening to this and you're going like, Jamal Kane, like who are we talking about? This is why you can't bet on the Miami Heat to go under their win total. This is why the Heat are still going to wind up as a top five seed. Like th- this right here, all of the starters were out and it didn't matter. And you could say like, yeah, versus the Rockets, this is where they're going to find wins in the regular season. This right. is what Miami does. Like they did it last year. It's I, everyone that like makes jokes about the heat culture thing. Yeah. I would not make jokes about it. It's a real thing. And it's yeah, that mean. They, they, they could continue to find ways of developing players like uh, i mean they had a darius days who we were discussing as a potential starter at the four and he's going down to sioux falls now they had to you know give the two-way deal to kane instead because he just wound up thriving you got max Struess coming off the bench who was a starter last year you got duncan robinson coming off the bench he's getting paid a lot of money you just kind of just find these undrafted guys wind up taking them to that next level you embrace the work ethic and i, I know everybody works in the nba but you just find a way to, to work at what you're best at and continue to grow and, and just contribute to winning. That's such a huge factor. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll hit some more preseason news. And the third segment, we'll talk a little bit about some trade talks that mm-hmm. were popping up on Monday. We'll do that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you about Bilt Bar. If you haven't tried the Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor delicious indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate that's right built done it again with a cookie dough chunk puff it's amazing uh, i had a box of these uh that i bought and we were scrambling at my kid's soccer game and i needed to be able to bring a snack for post game and so we grabbed the built bars along with some fruit took it there the kids were raving about them they all loved them best thing is they're only 160 calories and they've got a whopping 15 grams of protein not just any protein but collagen protein which the body absorbs more efficiently and it's got tons of health benefits. It's something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, for 15% off at built.com. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Really appreciate you guys joining us on a Tuesday. I'm Matt Moore from Locked On Nuggets, joined by Locked On Heat's David Ramil, breaking down all sorts of preseason news, all sorts of cool stuff for you on a Tuesday. Okay, so we're going to just touch on some like random subjects here in segment two because it's preseason and there's like Kevin Durant hasn't said anything and Draymond Green hasn't hit anyone, so we're, we're low on, on subject matter tonight. Um, but there's actually some interesting stuff to talk about. First off, uh, Lonzo Ball 
goes down with a, mm. with an ankle frame. Don't know about Lamella Ball. Uh, Lamella Ball. Yeah, I've done it five. Lots times. of balls been out for a while. Sorry, <laughs> unfortunately for him. Five times. Lamella Ball for the Charlotte Hornets uh, goes down with an ankle sprain. Don't know about the severity. We'll find out more about that uh, as you're listening to this on Tuesday. Chris Porzingis also gets injured, uh, injures that ankle. Um, it's the opposite leg, I believe, of where he had all those issues. Again, these are just ankle injuries, and it's like, why is this relevant? Uh, for me, honestly, David, like a lot of this is the season is eight days away as we record this on Monday night. Eight days. So when by the time you listen to this, it's a week. Uh, getting off to a good start, in my opinion, is imperative. And I learned a lot about this last year watching the Nuggets. Yeah. Because what happened was the Nuggets started off and everyone got hurt. Michael Porter Jr. goes down. Everybody's hurt. They have to play guys that are older and that need to play fewer minutes. They have to play those guys longer. Right. Like Jeff Green, Will Barton playing 35-plus minutes in November. You fast forward to April and those guys have got nothing left in the tank. So like there are trickle down effects here. You want to be above 500 so that you can manage your schedule and be like, okay, look, we need to set this guy down. He's tired. He hasn't gotten like much time off. Like we need to reduce his minutes. We're going to kind of ease back on the throttle a little bit. You can't do that if you're sub 500 and worried about missing out on the playoffs or winding up in the play in. So that's where I think this, a lot of this stuff kind of matters is like these little injuries. They matter because you don't want to start feeling the pressure four games in when you suddenly find out that, oh, Nope, you're already behind schedule, so to speak, on, on trying to track for a playoff spot. No, I agree 100%. Uh, I think the flip side of that, I, I know that there are fans listening to this and, and already they can say, but you know what? Somebody else has the opportunity to shine. It's so rare. It's so rare uh, that somebody else is going to all of a sudden take this incredible leap. Uh, that when it does happen, that's what we're all clinging to. We all want to see, oh, player X kind of just take over for a superstar or a star level player and be like the, the kind of player that you love to watch and loves to impact winning and, and kind of helps, uh, you know, uh, keep your, your, your team afloat uh, while you're nursing these injuries and dealing with these injury concerns. But, you know, to your point, that might not necessarily, first of all, that's unlikely to happen. And then secondly, that might not be enough because then eventually you have to deal with other injuries down the road. It just, it's the nature of the NBA. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like your point there because it does, you think about it and say, oh, it's just a preseason. They'll have time to just weather the storm. But not really. Like, you could you could start off everybody. Everybody's a winner going into training camp on media day. There's 30 teams that are in title contention there. Uh, and then all of a sudden you go into the pre the regular season and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, we, we can do something. We're going to make this make something happen. And then so rarely it, it, you just wind up falling flat uh, because you're dealing with injury. And that just kind of sets a pace, especially for organizations like the Wizards, like the Hornets that have grown so accustomed to losing. It's just it's just too easy to just say, oh, what's the point? You're 10 games under 500 by January. Are you really going to get out of that hole and content for a play-in spot? And if that's the case, what's the, what's the point of even doing that just so you can continue to be mediocre? Uh, it's it's really risky and dangerous and uh, just you know it's it's unfortunate because their season uh, might be over before it actually even begins. Donovan Mitchell made his Cavs debut in Cleveland, as it were, tonight. Uh, first time sitting up in Cleveland. Quiet night for Mitchell. Play a few minutes, make all shots, has some turnovers. Still kind of getting used to playing with them. My, honestly, my bigger takeaway outside of Mitchell making his debut, um, yeah. the Sixers again looked really good. Embiid didn't suit up. Maxi has nineteen. Uh, Harden has yeah. 11. They get double digit scoring. They win again. Um, so my read on preseason is that it doesn't matter if you look bad as long as you don't go winless. 
that's like my big thing is like if you go winless it's just like a bad omen doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't have to mean anything like he and bucks both went winless in 2020 before the 2021 you may remember them they both made the finals shortened preseason then but we've got kind of a shortened preseason now there's fewer games now um but i just think getting a win is better for the vibes i do nope. think that if a team looks like it's just ready to roll there's something there like in my experience i don't remember a lot of teams that were like they looked awesome in preseason and then the regular season came and they were terrible like right. i just i don't remember that anecdotally a lot i haven't done like a lot of, i haven't looked into the preseason percentages and their correlation to the winning percentages in the regular season um i am a little bit like I, i've got my eye on the sixers for a number of reasons like i work a lot in the betting space and so i already have a couple of wagers on on the sixers for various things but from a big pictures perspective the sixers seem to be priming themselves for what looks to be a pretty great run and in particular i think tyrese maxi looks like he's ready to make a leap because they're doing like they are taking on pretty good squads and coming out in pretty impressive fashion. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of seems like the the theme from what we were talking about in Jalen in the first segment. You know, like Maxi on any team that might be more committed to losing or where you know it, it doesn't necessarily seem like you're going to get out of this constant tre treadmill of mediocrity anytime soon. Uh, these could be really really empty shots, but here he is helping carry the Sixers to a win. Albeit, again, a preseason win, so maybe it doesn't matter. But, I, I, again, that leap seems like it's right there on the horizon because he knows what it takes because he wants to win because this is a team that wants to win. And and, and it's there's a culture about that. There's just an attitude. It's like if you're going to the same work every day, if you're going to your job every day, and there's this attitude of like, well, what the hell's the point? What are we even doing here? What's the, the, You're frustrated. You're not motivated. But if there's a goal and a shared goal that everybody has on this roster, then it kind of translates into greater success individually and as a team. And I think that's something that we're seeing with him is that he's just he's not just putting up points. He's doing so effectively, and they lead to a bigger overall goal, which is winning winning basketball games. And he looks really good. I, I do. I'm not sure if I'm as bullish on the Sixers as you are, uh, but yes, I see. I see a difference there. I mean, even just adding an older veteran like PJ Tucker makes so much of a difference because this is a guy who loves to win, has contributed to winning throughout his whole career, uh, and he just seems like a great fit there. It was what they were lacking last season, even as they were constantly going through injuries and the incorporation of James Harden. Speaking of getting off of the uh, winless snide, the Nuggets got their first win uh, over the Phoenix Suns. Not a lot to report there. MPJ had a pretty rough game. Bones Highland had somebody step on his foot. After the game, said there was no big deal, big deal there. Not expected to miss time. Nuggets were without Nikola Jokic, who was nursing a wrist injury, and Jamal Murray, whose hamstring was a little bit tight. The team is stressing that there's not long-term concerns with those guys, but it's having an abundance of caution. But maybe something to keep an eye on uh, for fantasy, DFS, or just general wanting to see how teams do early on. Nuggets were a little banged up to start the season. Uh, they did get the win, though, behind an Ish Smith buzzer beater because that's what happens in preseason is things like you hear Ish Smith buzzer beater. But look, I am team Ish Smith. I love when we talk about like competent point guards, like Ish Smith's a competent NBA point guard. And then the Nuggets are uh, well equipped actually to have him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just thinking of something in regards to the Sixers. Is this team better equipped to handle the eventual mistime of a James Harden or a Joel Embiid in particular, because I feel like they are. Like, this just seems like a team, like, they started P.J. Tucker at the center spot, which, you know, isn't ideal, but it just feels like it's a better option than anything they've had in the past. And, and that, again, there's progress 
have been making slow progress over the last few years, but would you say that they're better equipped to handle that loss? Yeah, so like the way to think of it is the Sixers on a random Tuesday night versus the Orlando Magic will be like a 70% win probability, right? Like a 7 out of 10 times, they're going to beat the Magic, okay? Embiid goes out, that number drops probably to 50 or maybe 60. If you're like, no, I still think that they're, they're, they're better, okay? Last season, it's probably 55 to 50%. But with an improved roster with P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, Montrez Harrell, like Montrez Harrell goes in and gets you 12 points off the bench. Guess what? That's like the margin that you needed to get past a very weak Magic. And so now in what was a lower percentage win probability, you have now converted that to a higher win probability. And it's the same for situations where you're not the favorite. Like, oh, it's a back-to-back versus uh, the Clippers in L.A. And Embiid's going to sit because he doesn't play on the back-to-back. Okay. Um and your, your winning percentage then is like, all right, you've only got like a 35 to 40% chance of winning. Okay. Montrezl Harrell gets you up to 45. PJ Tucker gets you up to 47. Like the combination of those guys gets you within range of like, okay, you're still not favored, but your win probability is higher of catching that team on a bad night. And that's how you buff it against the regular season. Um, and also just in, term, in terms of like pure basketball, like, yeah. all right, Harden's out. Tyrese Maxey and DeAnthony Melton are going to run. No yeah. problem. Like that's competent play. Um, you know, Harden's out and you need a primary score. Okay, Maxie's gonna take gonna score, and then we're gonna, you know, Embiid's gonna step up and score a little bit more that night. Like there's they have more this is how I've really started to think about it. So much of it is about how many solutions do you have hmm. to whatever the problem is on a night by night basis. And the playoffs, it's tactical. It's like they're gonna do this to you. Can you counter that with why? Right. Um, in the regular season, it's honestly about okay, we can't do this because our guy's out. Can we do something else? And I think the Sixers are better equipped than they have been in the entire Joel Embiid era to do so. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. A lot. Of, I mean, it's kind of cliche, right? But the, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more likely you are to fix whatever's problem. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about a little bit of a trade rumor that popped up on Monday about uh, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns and the Atlanta Hawks could maybe swapping mm. pieces. We'll talk about that when we come back on Locked on NBA, but first I've got to tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is absolutely the best way for you to get into the game. You get it, it's this amazing new props game that is absolutely phenomenal. The app's great, it's seamless. Um, you can put in more than one entry. The biggest thing. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you, wa- you watch, like NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. And more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. They've got safe and fast withdrawals, and they currently operate in over 30 states in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Play Daily Fantasy at PrizePix right now. We'll be right back on LOCKEDON NBA. 
segment here on locked on nba make sure to check out the locked on fantasy nba i'm sorry the locked on nba basketball preview for 2022 uh had a great great show with the revenge squad as i was representing <laughs> locked on nuggets it was a good time we basically just roasted each other those shows are a lot of fun i listened to the contenders one today and then the the warriors representative um was was predictably defensive about any such suggestion that anything could derail the Warriors, big shopper huh. on the front. Check it out. Um, all right, final segment here. So on Monday, Sean Sterania of The Athletic did the usual Monday news dump and reported that the Atlanta Hawks and Phoenix Suns have been involved in trade talks for Jay Crowder. No other details were given in the report about what that might look like, but Crowder obviously on the trade block, not playing for the Suns, not in training camp, not with the team currently as they work to facilitate a trade in the near future for the veteran forward. The Hawks, it makes a lot of sense, right? The Hawks are gearing up to basically go for it. Like, they want to get in. What I think is interesting here, David, is the question of with this, like, if you're the Suns, I know that they're trying to do what teams in their position do, which is aim for much bigger, like, see if you can parlay what you have into a real steal, especially given that, like, Clint Capella and Mm. Bogdanovich, uh, and John Collins and DeAndre Hunter were all involved in trade talks this summer. Like, if you ask the Hawks, they're like, no, no, we love those guys. We're all in. But those guys have been in trade talks for multiple years. Um, they're rebuilding, not rebuilding, they're refitting around DeJounte Murray in combination with Trey Young. So I am kind of curious as about whether this is going to be more of like a salary dump. Like, the Suns just have to move him because they're making room for Cam Johnson. They don't want to pay him. Or if the Suns could actually get something of value back in exchange for Jay Crowder. What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> it's an interesting premise. I, I'm just, I'm not sure why Atlanta's doing this. Like, I, I, I'm not sure why any team is doing this. Like, it, it, this feels like a move that we would have heard out, you know, in March, right? Uh, Jay Crowder seems like that typical player that gets bought out and you have all these teams kind of on the fringes. Like, you've got Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, uh, where Crowder played, obviously. Uh, Atlanta now. We want Crowder. We, he's the linchpin, right? I, I don't see it. I don't. I'm not sure exactly why everybody is so desperate to trade for Jay Crowder. Like, there's a reason why he's sitting out in Phoenix, and it's not just from his perspective. It's just he, he's not good enough to get that extension. He's not good enough to get that playing time that he so desperately wants. And and that's all fine. Like, I love Jay. I, I mean, he's he's a great player, uh, but he's just not good enough anymore at this point in time. So I'm just not sure why everybody seems so invested in trying to acquire Crowder. Uh, at this point in his career, like he's not even the same player he was five years ago. Uh, he's inconsistent as a three-point shooter. His defense is kind of suspect now. I think like he has winning attitudes, and that's fine and good. And maybe a team like Atlanta needs that sort of structure. Again, a veteran player uh, that has been there, uh, even though he hasn't exactly won a championship. Uh, so I, I just don't see why there's this kind of desperation for this move as if that this is the kind of thing that's going to put you over the top and you see it every year right with player x gets bought out you know a a big name veteran and all of a sudden you're thinking oh yeah this is the move that this is going to really help us and then that player goes in there and you go oh yeah i see why they got bought out in the first place i see why if if, if he was good enough 
to continue getting paid by the team that had him under contract, he'd still be on that team and contributing to winning. And I just don't see why Crowder all of a sudden is viewed so favorably by so many teams and fan bases there. But as far as Phoenix's goals, uh, if they can get something in you know quality in return and clear a little cap, that's all fine and good. I, I just I think like you hear Miami's. I don't. They can only speak to this from the Heat perspective, right? The Heat are interested in Crowder. And they have Duncan, uh, Duncan Robinson's contract that they might be willing to move or would have included in trade talks for Kevin Durant or anybody else over the summer. But the, why trade a valuable player in Duncan Robinson for a player like Jay Crowder? Uh, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You'd hope maybe, if anything else, that that player gets bought out and then maybe you can bring him under, even though there's an obvious need at the power forward spot for Miami. I just Is, is he going to be the player that puts Atlanta over the top? I, I just I don't get it. And maybe I'm just a little confused about the, the end goal here or the end game for these teams, but it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Okay, counterpoint. Have the Heat been back to the finals since they traded Dre Crowder? <laughs> no, you're right. No. You're right. They should never have let him go. I mean, that's, it's, it's a fantastic irony there that they wouldn't give him that long-term deal, and now they're looking to get him on the last year of that deal. But yeah. it's, he's not the kind of player that you'd want to make a trade for. Like, Atlanta can give up a player in order to acquire Crowder, but that seems like it's just going to set them back to some degree because I don't think he necessarily puts them over the top. He's not going to make up the difference in whatever player that they trade off. Although I, I know that there's a need for salary cap pers- you know, perspective, and, and you know, you're going to have to sign these guys to a long-term contract at some point, but I just don't get it. I don't, I'm sorry. I just I don't see why Crowder is all of a sudden this guy, this guy that everybody thinks is necessarily going to make their team so much better. If the Hawks were looking to basically just like throw extra players at Phoenix to get him, like, oh, yeah, we can get him for very little. And maybe that's the offer that was made, and the Suns were like, nope, not interested, hung up. Right. Um, but if it wasn't, to me, it makes a lot of sense from the perspective of if you're the Hawks and you're trying to move one of their more notable players, Bogdanovich, Hunter, uh, Collins, even. I like, look, John Collins was like with Trey Young through the entire program circuit. I'm just telling you. Every time that I ask around, I'm like, hey, what have you heard about whatever, about tr- like, what have you heard in the league? And every, yeah. every single time is like, yeah, the Hawks were calling about Django about John Collins again. Like, every time. And it's not that they're desperate to get rid of him, right? They want, like, they value him. If they were desperate to get rid of him, he'd be gone. Like, they, they right. know how good John Collins is. But for whatever reason, that still seems to be on the table. Um, I am just kind of interested if this is going to be used as a mechanism for the Hawks to either clear salary so they could potentially try and free up some space in, in free agency long-term or just try and get their salary down, right, by sending out more salary for a decent player but being like, hey, but we got Jay Crowder, consummate winner, went to two finals, veteran presence, tough guy, boss man. Mm-hmm. Like, all Jay caps, Crowder's all caps. <laughs> yeah, Jay Crowder's the kind of guy you can sell as like a win-now move while also not costing as much even if they have no intention of, of extending him, which that to me is like the interesting question, right? Is like, okay, but are you going to give him the money? Cause otherwise this is like a one year rental, a, a fascinating kind of insight, the type of teams that are looking to add Jay Crowder with the Atlanta Hawks. All right. Let's go wrap it up for locked on NBA. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging in with my voice. I know that this hasn't been the smoothest, but I appreciate it. Thanks to David for hanging with me as well. Uh, while I try and recover, uh, Have yourselves a great week. Make sure to check out the show tomorrow. You got John Corrales and Jake Madison. Great show is always on Wednesdays. And we'll see you guys again next week. We'll be back on Monday with the final show of the 2022 offseason, David. We get to preview the actual games next week. That's exciting.
It is very much so. I'm looking forward to the start. I like. I'm already excited. I'll be honest with you. I know it's just preseason basketball, and it doesn't mean anything, but it's it's, it's basketball. It's always yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, it's been fun. Plus, in like what uh, this is going to be out on Wednesday, um, or on Tuesday rather. So like what in eight days? In eight days, Jamal Kane gets to play, and that's like a win for everybody. Really, when you talk about. It. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys again next week on Lockdown.